in the late 1960s, I was sitting in this very restaurant on the island of Malta, talking to my publisher. I drew his attention to the fact that uh, over the other side of the road, there were two men who were gesticulating in a particular way. The way they were holding their palms to one side was fascinating me. And he said, you know, you look at people the way that a bird watcher looks at birds. And I said, yeah, I suppose you could call me a man watcher. As soon as I said it, it was as if I'd fired a starting gun on a major new project, one that was to engross me for many years to come and take me to over 60 different countries. It was wildly ambitious, but I decided to make a complete classification of all human actions, gestures, postures, expressions, all over the world. And this is going to take a very long time. I was going to do for actions what dictionary makers had done for words. I began making huge charts naming every facial expression, every gesticulation, every movement, every posture. I kept at it for months after months. And eight years later, I'd completed the work and was able at last to introduce people to the fascinating subject of human body language. One of the first problems I... Natch, 76... Whisper in your lover's ear, text the Soundhawk at 303-548-6877. But wait, where's the Soundhawk? There he is. But actually, he's on a romantic sojourn in Iceland right now. That's right, sojourn. How would you say that, Mark? Sojourn? Sojourn? You don't get to say, do you? Because you're not in this room. But you are in a hotel room, or at least you were. And uh, that's one of the first things we're going to bring you here, episode 76. We are very deep, balls deep, you might say, into our Naked 8 book club. And this week we read the chapter Sex. So it's probably better that we're not in the same room. But coming up soon, we have Mark reading a passage from the sex chapter of Naked Ape to Red Twist in room 24 of Hotel Roundsef in Roundsef, Iceland. Look forward to that. And then we'll give you a little break from all the sex talk. We've got a quick little insert from a, well, it's not a recent episode of Chances with Wolves. It's episode 296, which just reappeared in my SoundCloud feed randomly. And what's Chances with Wolves? It's a little collective of DJs. I think there's three of them working out of Brooklyn. They just put together these fantastic mixes all the time with all sorts of great world music and oddities and I kind of talk about it. There's another intro to it coming up, but I didn't do such a hot job because I was camping. So, and that's what we have after that. But the the chance with wolves, Alan Watts, what is wrong with our culture? You'll enjoy that. And then you'll enjoy me discussing uh, a little bit more of the the sex chapter in Naked Ape with my uh, wife in a tent as we were camping at at Valley View Hot Springs, which is a naked hot springs. Well, clothes optional. Sometimes people are naked. I was naked some of the time. Lots of naked people. So we'll talk about that too. But uh, wait, what? What is that? Oh, do you hear it? You know what that is, right? Yeah. First, we're going to bring you one of these. A nugget of natural food insider info from Greg Bagney, 4G. Go. Greg's eggs. It's stuff you probably already know, but needed some goofball to remind you. Okay, today's a freak show. 
I've decided to get a little personal with you and put myself in a vulnerable spot. So let's talk about opening and closing your skin pores. Over 15 years ago, I got turned on to a daily practice called Yan Zin Qi Gong. It's a combination of breath, visualization, and posture. It took a few years to figure out this highly detailed step-by-step practice, as it's more than simply sitting and trying to clear your crazy-ass humanoid mind. So, a key part of the visualization technique was on the inhale, you visualize opening all your skin pores, and on the exhale, you close all of them. In and out, open and close, no problem. Seemed to make sense to me, skin being the largest organ in the body, and it's super sensitive and very cool, so I was in. And after about five years, I kind of figured out WTF I was doing. Okay, what, how, when does this have to do with business? Right now, as I'm speaking, I'm very bright and open. All my skin pores are wide open just for you, baby. Because I feel cool, safe, and glad you're listening. Tee hee and thanks. Business is about interacting with people you love, and sometimes you have to interact with people that you may not love. And since all humans come from the big love... I'm always going to give the benefit of the doubt. However, when I'm stepping into a conference room of unfriendlies, or worse yet, I'm walking into my painfully dysfunctional family function, I stop at the door, take a nice breath, open my pores, and then I exhale and shut them all down. And finally, here's the punchline. Now I'm going in observing the weird, toxic lies, greed, gossip, bad energy instead of absorbing it. With pores closed, you can protect yourself from all the bad juju in the room, observing it. It's like watching a bad movie. But if you walk in with open pores, there's a good chance you'll absorb their nasty shit, and who needs that? You've got a choice. Read the room, be open or closed, and decide if you'd like to observe or absorb. I told you this one would be a freak show. The Naked Ape, A Zoologist Study of the Human Animal, by Desmond Morris. Once contacted, the partner's genitals may also become the target for repeated actions of this kind. When this occurs, the male concentrates largely on the female's clitoris, the female on the male's penis, although other areas are also involved in both cases. In addition to kissing, licking, and sucking, the mouth is also applied to various regions of the partner's body in a biting action of varying intensities. Typically, this involves no more than soft nibbling of the skin or gentle nipping, but it can sometimes develop into forceful and even painful biting. Mm -hmm. Interspersed between bouts of oral stimulation of the partner's body and frequently accompanying it, there is a great deal of skin manipulation. The hands and fingers explore the whole body surface, concentrating especially on the face and, at higher intensities, on the buttocks and genital region. As in oral contacts, the male pays particular attention to the female's breasts and nipples. Wherever they move, the fingers repeatedly stroke and caress. Oh my god. From time to time, they grasp with great force, and the fingernails may be, the <laughs> may be dug deeply into the flesh. The female may grasp the penis of the male, or stroke it rhythmically, simulating the movements of copulation, 
and the male stimulates the female genitals, especially the clitoris. In a similar way, again frequently, with rhythmic movements. Josh here. I'm at a campsite in the San Luis Valley. Just about dusk. It's gonna get real dark soon. I'm gonna crawl into my tent and I'm gonna listen to something. You should listen to it too. Chances with Wolves. I think it's episode 292. I'm not going to look now because I'm in the woods. Um, but it's wonderful. There's a, a little spoken word in the middle from Alan Watts, our boy Waddy, talking about how uh, we live in these glowing boxes, this, this cycle of glowing boxes, instead of the cycle of circles that it took me a day and a half to get acquainted with out here. I was grumpy. It's, it's hard to relax. Isn't that sad? But you hear that river? Isn't that nice? Anyway, uh, hi at Natch.is. Subscribe to our newsletter. Then you can open the Google Doc. Then you can find the link to this episode of Chances with Wolves. What the hell is Chances with Wolves? It's a collective of DJs. I think they're out of Brooklyn. And every week, a one, one and a half, two hour, well, not every week, but with startling regularity, regularity, they put together two hour mixes of all sorts of inventive oddities that they find on vinyl. You got a lot of covers, like world music covers of American pop music, that kind of thing. Lots of Howling Wolf sound cues. Not unlike our uh, Soundhawk sound cue. That's right. Anyway, deep shit. The whole two hour episode's great, but if you go right about halfway through, Alan Watts. <laughs> that we don't seem to be able to adjust ourselves to the physical environment without destroying it. Why is it that in a way uh, this culture represents in a unique fashion the law of diminishing returns, that our success is a failure, that we are building up, in other words, uh, an enormous technological civilization which seems to promise the fulfillment of every wish almost at the touch of a button. And yet, as in so many fairy tales, when the wishes finally materialize, they're like fairy gold. They're not really material at all. In other words, so many of our products, our cars, our homes, our clothing, our food, it looks as if it were really the instant creation of pure thought. That is to say, it's thoroughly insubstantial, lacking in what the connoisseur of wine calls body. And in so many other ways, the riches that we produce are ephemeral. And as a result of that, we're frustrated. We're terribly frustrated. We feel that the, the only thing is to go on getting more and more. And as a result of that, the whole, the whole landscape begins to look like the nursery of a spoiled child who's got too many toys and is bored with them and throws them away as fast as he gets them, plays them uh, for a few minutes. 
also we're dedicated to a tremendous war on the material, the basic material dimensions of time and space. We want to obliterate their limitations. We want to get everything down as fast as possible. We want to convert the rhythms and the skills of work into cash, which indeed you can buy something with, but you can't eat it. And uh, then rush home to get away from work and begin the real business of life to enjoy ourselves. You know, for the vast majority of American families, the, what seems to be the real point of life, what you rush home to get to, is to watch an electronic reproduction of life. But you can't touch it. It doesn't smell and it has no taste. You might think that people getting home to the real point of life in a robust material culture would go home to a colossal banquet or an orgy of lovemaking or a riot of music and dancing. But nothing of the kind. It turns out to be this purely passive contemplation of a twittering screen. You see mile after mile of darkened houses with that little electronic screen flickering in the room. Everybody isolated, watching this thing. And thus in real, in no real communion with each other at all. And this isolation of people into a private world of their own is really the creation of a mindless crowd. And so we don't get with each other, except for public expressions of getting rid of our hostility, like football or um, prize fighting. And uh, even in the spectacles one sees on this television, uh, it's perfectly proper to exhibit people slugging and slaying each other, but oh dear no, not people loving each other, except in a rather restrained way. Uh, one can only draw the conclusion that the, the assumption underlying this is that uh, expressions of physical love are far more dangerous than expressions of physical hatred. And it seems to me that a culture that has that sort of assumption is basically crazy and devoted, unintentionally indeed, but nevertheless in fact devoted, not to survival, but to the actual destruction of life. second chapter of the book which is the sex chapter and Desmond Morris makes the funny conclusion that the humans are the, the sexiest of all primates but the reason for it is because well there's a few different reasons but pair bonds are really important which I think you remember from me talking about this book before but it's really important that men and women stay together because they're hunting apes now, they're carnivores, but also like they need to work together to raise the child and the deal with the child is they have an extended period of what's called, I think it's pronounced neoteny, which means 
like a, an extended adolescence, but you're like you're long, you're young, and you need to be cared for for a longer time. But, but it's basically because your brain's growing, and you're learning more things than most animals do. And so, for all those reasons, uh, the pair bond's important because they need to work together to do it. But but we're also like super sexy apes because some like sex needs to be really rewarding for the pair and the pair bond so that they can stay together. And we're interesting because we're upright, so like all of our sex organs are like right there for everyone to see, like breasts and genitals. Whereas in most primates they walk on all fours so you can't really see their junk, you know? And so uh he talks a lot about like all the different weird rules that society has developed around nudity and clothing and how you have to kind of like you can be you see something? Josh had almost put his mate to sleep with his ramblings about my seminal work when something fascinating happened the pair's two young offspring were sleeping in a tent only about 20 meters away and yet the slightest bit of noise sent a shiver of panic through them all attempts at discussing my work and indeed laying the groundwork for mating ritual are cast aside as the pair tries to determine if their children are secure. So we're incredibly sexy apes. Mm -hmm. But it's really important also that we not be super sexy to everyone else. We're always available to have sex with everyone because mm -hmm. it would ruin, it would compromise the pair bond. Mm -hmm. um, so he talks a lot about but how, how it's funny that people, we, like we wear clothes sometimes or dress a certain way to assert a little bit of sexiness, kind of basically to achieve social hierarchy. But for the most part, like the rules are pretty strict. And, even, and most developed societies really are, have monogamous couples. But what's funny about being at the Naked Hot Springs, I'm thinking about that, is uh, like he's saying basically we have to wear clothes all the time to decrease the likelihood that people will be having all sorts of sex with people who aren't their mates mm -hmm. but when you come here and everyone's all naked it is like one of the least sexiest places <laughs> I can think of right so it's funny to me like there was that really bronzed guy he was an older guy but he had like this amazing tan all over and he seemed like really proud of his tan but he didn't seem like he was putting out any sort of sexuality really no his butt cheeks were amazing, though. Like, he had this, like, that really fuzzy blonde hair. It almost looked like, yeah, like a close-up picture of a piece of fruit. Hmm. I don't know. That's what I was thinking about. You concur, sweetie? Yes. I don't think it's a very sexy place, but it's, not, it's just because it seems really neutral. It does seem really neutral. Maybe that's what's so nice about it. Yeah, it, does, it just seems like people are here because they recognize that it's nice to be in nature and not have to be constricted by clothing. It's like not a real reason to when you're swimming in a swimming pool. It feels good to let the dong flap in the mountain air. Yeah. Although his attempt at crude humor falls flat, Josh has made an interesting point, and his wife has made some provocative supporting arguments. I intend to thoroughly rebuke them both in a companion piece to The Naked Ape, tentatively titled The Naked Hot Springs Ape. An ambitious undertaking, no doubt, but well worth examination, 
by the keen eye of a man-watcher. What? Greetings. It's Mark. Checking in on my Icelandic sojourn. Parked in my Beamer by the seaside, just outside of uh, Stokesiri. Man, we have got so much food news for you next week. Thanks for listening this week. Thanks for, you know, bearing with us as we ground out this masterpiece. But next week, you know, tried and true. We got Google doing some algae shrimp. We got a food revolution in Brazil. Very topical. Poop pills on the chopping block. Food trends on Instagram. Korean beekeepers. Not to mention some diet advice from Danielle Fay. Details with D. Fay waiting for segment two. You know, as my Icelandic journey comes to a close, I do have to say, you don't come here for the food because you just drive around and you can't help but be gobsmackered by the majesty of the lava and the ocean and the mountains and the just complete lack of people. Holy moly. 300,000 total. Whole country. Very self-sufficient stock. You know, I think uh, our co-host, Mr. Tyson, something a little Viking about that guy, huh? Something in his uh, coloring, his demeanor. Tyson diet. Yeah, I think he's got some Norse Viking blood. I thought his name really was German, but I'm going more Icelandic. Except he's not into the dairy. And you got to be into the dairy if you're out here in Iceland. Oh, look at that sea. Lots of self-sufficiency in the food supply. What have we enjoyed? Local cheeses. Local skier. It's like a thick yogurt. Seafood, baby. Cod cheeks. Blue mussels. Lobster bisque. That's in quotes. I think it's actually something that's like langoustine. Something that's not quite a lobster. And a shit ton of bread. Woo! Full of bread. So Josh, the Viking that you are when you heed the clarion call to come to the seaside, get ready for some dairy and bring your wallet because this shit's expensive. You ain't getting a meal for less than 30 bucks a plate. Even if it's a hot dog. Peace out, everyone. Pleasure to be with you this week from afar. Can't wait to get back in the studio next week. Bring you some food news eventually. <laughs> Has countless variations. Sometimes it's reduced to a mere palm touch, as with these Maasai elders in East Africa. Is it becoming more elaborate? In Mali, in West Africa, the handshaker briefly touches his own forearm as the palms clasp. In Morocco, the handshakers kiss one another's hands at the same time as clasping them. And in Turkey, these Kurdish farmers have taken this simple action and converted it into what amounts to a minor ritual. It's the local rule that they can't start bargaining until they're shaking hands. 
and they have to keep on doing so until the deal is struck. The essential feature of handshaking is that it's an egalitarian act. Regardless of their social standing, the two people involved are momentarily performing identical actions. This meeting as equals that has spread around the world is comparatively recent. In earlier times, when greeting, it was common for the less important individuals to literally lower themselves as a sign of respect. In some remote parts of the world, we can still see this even today. The Toda people of South India still perform this body-lowering ritual with high-status feet placed on low-status heads. 